Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Friday, May 14th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes, our tribe beat writer. Hoynesy, uh, once again, the Indians came close, but didn't get it done, couldn't get the no-hitter. Uh, it's been more than 14,000 days since the <laughs> Indians had a la- last had a no-hitter in Len Barker's perfect game, almost exactly 40 years. Zach Plesak takes one into the eighth inning. But the leadoff batter, J.P. Crawford, aligned one over shortstop, and uh, the Indians uh, hang on after that to, to win four to two. But uh, for those of us who, for for those who didn't stay up late to watch uh, the end of the game, uh, what was the atmosphere like there as they opened the bottom of the eighth inning with Plesac on the mound, looking like he was going to get the fifth no hitter in the in the majors this year? Yeah, it was interesting, Joe. It was uh, there was. 8,000 fans there, or a little over, which was a COVID-induced uh, sellout. So, so and just they were like, loud. Just like the Len Barker game, just about 8,000 fans there, right? But but later yeah. on, it would have been 800,000 fans, correct? <laughs> exactly. And uh, it was loud. It was it was really loud. And I, you know, I was already, I was writing it like it was a no-hitter because Plesak was locked in. He was really dealing after what he walked those two guys in the first inning. And then he, I think he retired like 19 straight, including, well, he walked a guy, but then he picked him off. So, you know, he'd only face a minimum until uh, J.P. Crawford, you know, what, one, two pitch and single it just out of the reach of uh, uh, Ahmed Rosario's, uh, um, you know, uh, just a leaping try, just a great try. He just couldn't climb the ladder high enough. Yeah. Uh, Plesak, we asked him after the game if he, uh, if he wishes that Ahmed Rosario were about two inches taller and he said, boy, you know, and Plesak's a pretty athletic individual. He said, uh, if I could have just given him just a little bit of my height to, to get up there and get that, it would have been it would have been in his glove. Yeah, it, it reminded me of uh, Carlos Carrasco's near no-hitter, you know, in Tampa Bay, where uh, I think uh, Joey yeah. Butler lined a, lined a pitch, a two-strike, two-out pitch in the ninth inning, just out of you know, uh, 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 Jason Kipnis's reach at second base. And if, I mean, and, and, you know, if he had been LeBron James playing second base, he would have had the no hitter, but uh, it didn't work out that way. Yeah. Kipnis, I believe, apologized to Carrasco for not being taller uh, after <laughs> yeah. that game. Uh, it, it was rather funny. Uh, 
and, and and we'll get we'll get into uh, who we think the you know why this hasn't happened and, and who we think will be the next one in a little bit here. But just last night, uh, you know, after the after the no hitter gets broken up, police that gives up a two run homer. Uh, the the Mariners actually load the bases in the ninth inning against Emmanuel Class A, and uh, Terry Francona has to has to pull. I guess he's he's not really the closer, but uh, he he pulls the guy who he, he pitches in most closing situations. He has to pull him out and bring in Brian Shaw on a moment's notice, and and Shaw gets the gets the save. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, Class A got two quick outs. And then just lost it. And, and we've seen that a couple times, you know, from him lately here where he kind of loses the strike zone. He's, I don't know if he starts overthrowing, but he walked three straight guys. And uh, you don't see Tito really uh, lift the closer that many times. He usually sticks with them. And, uh, but at this point, you know, he, he called for Shaw. He said uh, he's really surprised Shaw got as ready as fast as he did. And Shaw came in and, uh, you know, struck out uh, – Struck out Luis Torrens, uh, the, the catcher. Uh, I think it was one-two count, maybe uh, yeah. struck him out and, uh, you know, got the save. And uh, that's, I think, you know, Seattle's the team uh, Shaw ended the season, last season with. So right. uh, it was interesting. Yeah, and, you know, for for Shaw to be able to come in and do that and, and be as effective as he has this year, that's – Tito says, you know, any time Class A has a stumble – you got to remember he didn't pitch last year and he's only 23 years old. So that makes what he's done up to this point, all the more remarkable, but to have Shaw and be that veteran guy to sort of calm and, and have that presence uh, it's, it's really been important to this bullpen for as great as class a and Karen Chak have been Shaw has really been the one lifting them up and holding them up too. Yeah. You have to have that veteran uh, presence. You have to have, you know, a guy that comes into the late innings, no matter how crazy it is. And usually it is crazy in the eight, you know, in the late innings, you know, with guys on base, if, if they're pitching and, you know, in those leverage situations and you have to have a guy that comes in and just, you know, calms the water down, just uh, calms that infield down and just everybody can take a deep breath. And uh, right now it looks like Shaw is that guy. Uh, offensively, the Indians put up two more home runs. Uh, American League leader Jose Ramirez clubbed his 11th, uh, a two-run shot to right. The, the Indians took advantage of Logan Gilbert, uh, a rookie, making his first big league start uh, for the Mariners. Uh, kid looked, you know, pretty good. You can, you can tell why they like him. Big kid, funny delivery, you know, uh, sort of looks like, uh, Terry Francona said, he sort of looks like he's stepping on you when he, he reaches out and, and, and delivers a pitch. Uh, but Jose drove one into the right field seats. That's his 11th home run. Not unusual for us to be talking about Jose Ramirez leading the league in home runs early in the season this way. He's done it, you know, in 2018, 2019, he was, uh, or at least 2018, he was among the league leaders at this point uh, in home runs. Uh, Framil Reyes also, uh, you know, broke things open against Gilbert with uh, a home run on a hanging slider. Uh, Gilbert hadn't thrown a lot of uh, off-speed or breaking pitches in the first inning, but Framil got him in the second after uh, after taking uh, a slider for a strike. He, he hit the next one out of the ballpark. Uh, just, you know, the Indians taking advantage of a, a young pitcher making his Major League debut 
and getting on the board early. Yeah, when uh, when when uh, Gilbert went to three and one on uh, uh, on Jose in the, in the third inning there. You knew I, I was sitting there thinking this kid, if he throws him anything over the plate, he's in trouble. And he threw a 95 mile an hour uh, fastball right down the middle and uh, it was over. You know, I mean, he Jose did not miss that. No, and, and he doesn't miss a lot of fastballs. And that's, uh, you know, I, I think that's something that young pitchers like Gilbert will will eventually learn. You can't just rear back and blow it past uh, Jose Ramirez in that situation. Uh, also got to mention Jake Bowers with a nice piece of hitting uh, to get the, the Indians their fourth run of the game uh, that, that RBI single the opposite way. Uh, it does, does it feel weird to say, Hey, Jake Bowers, you know, looking like he's maybe starting to figure things out with a few more at bats. Yeah. He's, he's really, uh, you know, this last, uh, last 10, 13 games, Joe, he's hitting like two eighties driven in some runs and you're right. That was a great piece of hitting. Because uh, you know they were, the the Mariners were inviting him to go that way. They had one defender on the left side of the uh, infield. Everybody else was stacked, you know, between second and uh, first. And uh, he just, you know, he and that was his intention too. Because the first pitch of the at bat, he tried to go that way and fouled it off. So a good piece of hitting, smart piece of hitting. And then on that pickoff play uh, of uh, you know uh, with uh, what uh, with Plesac, uh Kyle Lewis he, was on first. Yeah, and that, I mean, I thought Bowers made a great, great pick and, and tag on that play. You know, uh, Plesak put it right in the bag, but it was a really nice piece of, uh, you know, on both ends, that was a great pickoff. Yeah, a nice play both ways. Uh, also have to mention Josh Naylor. He had the, uh, uh, he got on base with the a base hit and um, moved to second before Bowers drove him in. Uh, earlier in the game, he made a play. Uh, actually, the first pitch of the game by Plesek, uh was a foul ball uh, down the right field line that Naylor went into the stands and made a, a really sensational grab, uh, fighting the fans, get to the ball, uh, sort of robbed Jared Kelnick of uh, any sort of uh, positive outcome in his first major league at bat. Uh, Jared Kelnick, all the hype, you know, the game was on MLB Network every Everybody covering baseball was all excited to see Jared Kelnick, the, the number three prospect or number four prospect in all of baseball, make his debut. And uh, really, Plesak and the Indians silenced him uh, the entire night. Yeah, that was a great play by Naylor. I thought that really set the tone for the whole game. Uh, you know, it pumped up uh, Plesak. And uh, just, you know, this, guy, this guy's getting better in right field, Joe. I think we're starting to see this. This guy's, he's, you know, he's a, he can, he can play first. He can play, he's getting a little better in right field. And, uh, you know, he still, still make the, the error, the odd error now and then, but, uh, I, you know, he's, he looks like a player. He looks, he's, he's coming on a little bit here. And, and every once in a while, he'll scratch out a couple of hits, get on base. I, I, I really like him at the plate as well. And I think, I think Tito really likes him at the plate as well. There's never been a better time to register for Indian subtext Get all your Cleveland Indians news with updates from Cleveland.com reporters Paul Hoynes and Joe Noga. Get on board now by going to joinsubtext.com slash Cleveland Indians. Our subscriber-based service gives you the latest news, analysis, and more from the Indians. For $3.99 a month, you get everything we're hearing from the team and the first word before things are announced. We text you big breaking news directly to your phone, even before it's up on Cleveland.com. And you can text us directly with your questions 
questions and opinions on everything from the team's name to that day's lineup. And it's the only way to get your questions and comments on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. Why sign up? Hear from one of our subscribers. I'm uh, Jeff Heinerson. I grew up there in Milan, Ohio, but I now live out in Idaho. I've been here for 40 years, and uh, my son was born and raised here, and I got him as a birthday present, uh, your subtext. And I wanted to thank Paul for sending him a birthday greeting and to tell you that he is really enjoying the subtext. He even He's not from Ohio, but because he grew up with me, he's hardcore. Indian fans, so thanks again. Jeff and all of our Indian Subtext subscribers agree. There's a lot going on with the Indians, and the best way to keep up is with Indian Subtext. Go to joinsubtext.com slash Cleveland Indians, or better yet, text Hoinsey at 216-208-4346. Again, that's 216-208-4346. We look forward to hearing from you on Indian Subtext. All right, let's Let's talk about the elephant in the room, the the big thing. The Indians haven't had a no-hitter in almost 40 years. So what's the common denominator here? It's it's you. You've you've been on the beat almost almost as long as this streak is has been going on, but they haven't had it. it it's you. You're the reason you're the jinx. Hoinsey's the jinx. It's the curse of Hoinsey that the Indians haven't had uh, a no-hitter in nearly 40 years, but they've come so close so many times. You know, I, I think back to even a couple of years ago, Trevor Bauer taking a no hitter into the the seventh inning, but he had to to come out because of a, a, a you know pitch count was up in the hundred twenties. There were so many, there have been so many opportunities, so many one hit shutouts, and you've got a staff that had Corey Kluber, and now you've got Shane Bieber, and you've got so many opportunities for this to happen. Why hasn't it happened? Yeah, I, Joe, that I, I'll take all the blame, man. I, I guess it's me because uh, they've certainly had good enough pitching. You know, they're, they're starting pitching as, especially the last, what, 10, 15 years. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've made a name for themselves. That And even when I started covering the Indians, you know, Blylevin and Sutcliffe, you know, those guys were great. You know, Blylevin's in the Hall of Fame. Sutcliffe's a Cy Young winner. Uh, those guys were, they had great staffs and, uh they just haven't done it. You know, it's, it's so weird. It's uh, I think what the Indians have gone the longest now without a no hitter. They, they have the longest drought in major league history uh, or, or the current major longest drought. I think the Philadelphia athletics might've had the longest span between no hitters in major league history. Uh, but the Indians are, are approaching that uh, it's been as of Saturday, it will have been 14,610 days. Uh, it's a span of, I think, 6,259 games that they've played. That's a lot of baseball to not have a no-hitter. And you think about how how many other teams have had multiple no-hitters in that span, multiple no-hitters during that time. Uh, the, the odds just don't seem to favor something like that, a streak like that. Yeah. And, and, you know, on the other hand, they've had, a, they've had several thrown against them, you know, that I've, I've, I've seen what uh, Dave, Steve, Jim Abbott, Irvin Santana, and these last two, you know, Rodone and uh, what's his face, Wade Miley uh, throw the no hitters. So, you know, it's not like they don't happen. It's just, not, they're just not happening with the Indians. And I think what, when uh, Musgrove threw, threw the one for San Diego, that was the longest streak. And now the Indians. Well, that was San Diego had never had one. San Diego had never had one. And in that time, you know, Toronto, you said the Dave Steve one, 
That was Toronto's only no hitter that they've ever thrown, and it was against the Indians. I, I, saw, I, saw, I saw Steve miss one, I think, either the year before that, when uh, Julio Franco had a uh, bad hop single over Manny Lee's head at, at second base late in the game, and it cost him a no-no. Yeah, and, and you know, and the Indians even have, have had uh, a perfect game that wasn't a perfect game thrown against them in, in Detroit uh, when uh, – who was the – who's the guy uh, who uh, – Oh man, Amando Galarraga. Yeah, Amando Galarraga. Yeah, and uh, it was the the play at first base that uh, was it. Jim Joyce. Jim Joyce blew the call, and that was one of the uh, reasons they instituted uh, the replay just to save the umpires. Because I remember talking to Jim Joyce, all of us after the, that game, and he was crying. He knew mm-hmm. that he had cost the kid, uh, you know, a perfect game and uh, no hitter, and uh, it was just uh, you know it just missed the call. Josh, Josh Donaldson beat it out, right? Or did Jason Donaldson? Jason Donaldson. Jason Donald was the uh, Jason Donald, the, yeah. the runner who, uh, who who ran it down. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we talk about just the, the the circumstances conspiring, and 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 it, the law of averages says at some point the Indians are going to have to throw no hitter. It, it just has to happen. Lenny Barker can't can't wear this mantle for forever. I I, I just I, and he stopped talking about it, man. He he. Uh, it's it's something that comes up every year at this time. The sport, uh, the, the cable TV replays the game on every year on the anniversary of that that game, just to to sort of keep it going. I, you know, I, I just I, I think who will be the if you looked at the staff right now. I asked uh, Andres Jimenez, the the shortstop, who was you know negative eighteen years old the last time the Indians <laughs> threw a no hitter. Uh, I asked him who he thought on the team, which one of his teammates is, is going to be the next one. He said Shane Bieber. I said, uh, you took the easy one. You took the easy road. Who do you think would be the guy to throw a no-hitter uh, if, if you had to look at this staff? I guess, you know, it is. Bieber would be the, uh, the easy way to go. I, I you know, I think Plesek. I, I, I think, I think Plesek throws a little harder and maybe has maybe shown the ability to go deeper into games. <clears throat> right. I think I might go with him. That's that would be that would be my pick as well. I'd stay away from Savali, uh, just because you know <clears throat> he likes to throw the kitchen sink up there, and the chances of something like that, uh, you know, getting left over the plate and getting hit, not not even getting hit harder out of the park, just uh, you know, uh, an, an accident with all the shifting that they do nowadays. It's like I just don't understand how that's happening. How all these no hitters are happening with the shifting going on when you've got four guys on the right side of an infield and all of a sudden and guys still can't hit, you know, pick up, break up no hitters with, with all the infield shifting. I, I wonder that's something to ask, uh, you know, Tito about uh, is, is the shift strategy and how does that change later in a game? Uh, you know, when there's a no hitter on the line, do you, do you stick with your, your shifting strategy uh, in, in, in that situation? All right. Uh, you know, I guess this has gotten us nowhere. We, we haven't, <laughs> we haven't resolved the issue of why the Indians haven't thrown a no hitter in 40 years, but I guess if they're in first place and they're winning, it's, it's, it's really a moot point. Uh, no hitters are nice, but they only count as one win. So, uh, yeah, I, I guess that's, it's not a big point. I wanted to talk about a story that you posted, uh, yesterday, 
I found out that the Indians are allowing their scouts to uh, their scouting staff to look elsewhere or to not necessarily seek employment elsewhere, but if they find an opportunity, they're letting them, uh, you know, go if they, if they feel like they can uh, get a, you know, a more secure job somewhere else. This is all a bad sign for what could be coming with uh, the collective bargaining agreement. Yeah, that plays a part, a big part in this, Joe, uh, you know, and, uh, and I think the changing nature of scouting is also at work here, but to me, that's a, I mean, I, when I first heard this, I, I was, I would, that, that's frightening to me. I don't know if this is portends to something else, to more moves like this, you know, are there, are there going to be more reductions in the baseball operations department? Um, what, what does this mean? It's just such a strange thing for a, for an organization that is, you know, based on developing talent, finding and developing talent, like, like all, you know, all the 30 big league clubs are, but you know, they've done a very good job of it. I mean, and they have to do a job, you know, a good job of it. And I don't think it means, it doesn't mean they're, you know, they're doing away with the entire scouting department, but I think, I don't know if they're going to streamline this thing or just how this is going to look at the end of the year, but it's going to be different. Yeah, I wonder if it means they go from 40 scouts to 20 scouts or fewer. Uh, I wonder if it means that everything moves to a, a more online sort of model of, you know, watching video and Zoom calls with, with prospects and, 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 and meetings that way. But uh, I, can, I can see, you know, streamlining things, but eliminating the scouting part, taking the human element out of what they do. Would, would probably be a, a big mistake and, and would probably hamper what the Indians have to do in order to find success. And that's, you know, develop talent from within. Yeah. And, you know, they've got, they've got that, you know, so many of uh, that network of scouts in Latin America, you know, where, where they've been pretty successful down there. Do you cut those guys back? I mean, what, you know, it's just, it's just a hard thing to get, get your arms around. And is it, you know, is this, and I, I'd like to know if there was, if there's other things at work here, does this mean, what, are they going to sell the team or, you know, what, you know, just is, is there other things, you know, behind the scenes that we don't know. So this is kind of a, uh, an interesting development and something we've got to watch, continue to follow. All right. Well, we'll keep an eye on that as well as everything happening in the Pacific Northwest as uh, you know, the Indians look to continue their four game series in Seattle uh, tonight. You've got Aaron Savali going against uh, Chris uh, Flexen. Yeah. Uh, for the um, – it's a pretty decent pitching matchup tonight, so uh, we'll keep an eye on that. What are we expecting uh, out of game two for of the Jared Kelnick era for the Mariners? <laughs> yeah, you know, the Mariners have lost uh, four straight, and, uh, you know, they need to – you know, they, they're, they're a pretty dangerous offensive club. Uh but, uh, you know, they, had, they didn't get on track last night until it was too late. So I'm sure they're going to be ready tonight. And uh, Savali, you know, just has been on a roll. What, 5-0? and oh, he, He's been, you know, one of the biggest surprises in baseball. So, and he's fun to watch pitch. All right, we'll keep an eye on that. And we'll be back uh, after the uh, – we'll, we'll, we'll talk to you again, Hoinsey, from L.A. on Monday as the Indians open up a series out there. Uh, have a uh, Great weekend there in Seattle, and we'll talk to you again on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast.